as he comes to share the word. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go an extra hour. <laughs> Even though you all know I could. <laughs> um, if you would be so kind as to turn to Matthew 1 in your Bibles. We're going to begin there in a moment here. But uh, I am particularly excited about today's message. One, because this is my first ever Christmas-themed, Advent-themed kind of message I've ever given. I've done a Bible study on this before. But this is my first one where I get to just preach and proclaim the beauty of Jesus at his birth. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the birth of the Messiah. Um, uh, we have notes uh, going to be handed out here soon. But another reason why I'm particularly excited about this is not only because this is uh, uh, new to me for preaching from up, up front, but last night, um, it's kind of a funny story, but not really a funny story. I don't know. But uh, last night, I was going to get a burger. And I was driving to get a burger, and I, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit while I was going to get a burger. And I, I, as I was driving to get a burger, it was like the Lord just whispered in my, in my ear. He said, not only is this about the birth of the Messiah, but he's beautiful. <laughs> he's beautiful. And I just, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the drive-thru of Olympic Broil getting a burger, and I'm crying, wiping my tears away so I don't, so I don't you know, mess up my burger order, you know. <laughs> and I got tears streaming down my face because the Lord was reminding me that when the deliverer of the Israelites from the Egyptians, Moses, when they looked at that baby boy, they said in uh, Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it said that they saw him as a beautiful boy. And that beauty of that boy ended up being the deliverer of Israel from their captivity from the Egyptians. And then uh, centuries and years, uh, millennia later, millennia and a half later, there was another beautiful boy that was born, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> And he is the greater Moses, the deliverer of our sins, so that we could be redeemed and in right relationship with God. And so I'm particularly excited today because we get to look at the beauty of this man at his birth. And uh, I, my, my goal, I have two goals for today's message. And my first goal is to build confidence in us. We're, we're Christians, we're believers, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but I want to take some time today, hopefully, to build even greater confidence that Jesus is confirmed as the Messiah by God before he even worked one miracle. Just even at his birth, God confirmed Jesus as the Messiah over and over and over again to point and to highlight to us that the one that I promised, he's here. <laughs> he's here. I was not slow in fulfilling my promises. I wasn't late. I wasn't early. I was right on time. And so I want to build confidence today in, in us that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of David. He is the root of Jesse. And my second goal today 
is to build confidence in us that God always fulfills his promises. That God always fulfills his promises. And that each and every one of us has a prophetic narrative that's unfolding in our lives. Each and every one of us has a prophetic story that God is unfolding and unraveling in our lives. It's that Ephesians 2 passage where he says he's already laid out the good works that we are supposed to do in front of us. And we all have a prophetic storyline. We all have a prophetic story that God is unfolding in our lives. And I think that seeing here in this narrative and in the story of Jesus' birth and the signs that God gave around his birth, we can draw application points and confidence in, uh, from, the, from this story here, from this event, historic event, to understand our prophetic narrative and how God moves in our own personal prophetic narratives. So, <clears throat> so my goal today is twofold, is to magnify the beauty of Jesus at his birth and to assure us that he is the Messiah. And then number two is to build confidence in us that God is really intentional with every single one of our prophetic narratives, all right? I'm really excited about this. Uh, I'm, I, I believe that God is raising up anointed messengers with an anointed message about the anointed one. And today, I just want to add to that and just magnify Jesus in his birth. And so today, uh, I'm going to give you guys 10 signs, 10 signs at Jesus' birth that confirming that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, he is the Son of of David. And so I'm going to give you guys five natural signs, five signs that happened in the natural, and then five signs, supernatural signs that happened in the spirit. Okay, things that were going on around. There's so much swirl around Jesus's birth that we have to take a look at it here, and we're going to draw some application points. And so before we get into it, I'll say uh, I'll say a prayer for us and uh, we'll we'll get going, all right? So, Father, we come before you in the name of your glorious son, Jesus, saying thank you, Lord. Thank you that you always fulfill your promises and that you're not slow and you're not late, but you're right on time when it comes to your word. And so, God, I'm asking in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, would you open our eyes according to Ephesians 1, 17 to 18, Lord, would you open the eyes of our hearts to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus, that we would know you better, Lord, that we would see your character in this, and that we would love you all the more for who you are. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm picking up here in the introduction on my notes, and this is what it says, on earth, Jesus was proven to be the Messiah through his signs, wonders, miracles, but specifically his resurrection. That was the moment where all, of, all doubt should have been erased from all everybody, where it's this man said he was going to die, he did, and he was resurrected from the dead. Paul calls that God's vindication of Jesus, that he is who he said he was. And so it was in his resurrection that established and confirmed for all time that Jesus is the Messiah. But before he began his ministry, 
God confirmed Jesus as the Messiah with natural and supernatural signs at his birth. And uh, so I'm picking up here in Roman numeral one, paragraph A. And the first sign that happened in the natural to show that Jesus is the Messiah is the genealogies that are recorded in the scriptures. Right? You have Matthew 1, you have Luke 3. And many people find genealogies in scripture boring and skip them. <laughs> you know, uh, we do this thing called Bible mania in the summer times where we read through the entire Bible in three days. And every single time we got to the uh, portion of the genealogies, you, know, you got Uzi, Buki, Mahalalel, and, you know, you know there, there's, there's, a serious, there's literally people named Uzi and Buki in, you know, in the genealogies. It was really funny. It's like, you know, some people are looking like, I just wonder, you know, what's a cute baby name, you know, that I can pick out for my future children, you know, in the genealogies. <laughs> but, you know, and then when we, when we get to our Bible reading plan, oh, here's another genealogy, right? But if we were to read them a little bit more carefully, we would notice the intentionality and sovereignty of the Lord toward the tribes of Israel and his messianic purposes in them. You see, Jesus' genealogical records show that he is the son of Abraham and David in the flesh. You see, this is what it says in Matthew 1, if you're there, and I have it in the notes here. It says, these are the ancestors of Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David and of Abraham. Now, those two guys are really, really important because God promised Abraham that his seed would bless the nations. And then he also promised David that you are going to have a son that will rule and reign the earth forever. And so what Matthew is saying here, he's saying that seed of Abraham that God promised and that seed and that son that he promised to David He's here. <laughs> he's here and he's come. And if you guys know, Jesus' family line isn't perfect, right? There's a lot of drama that happened in Jesus' family line. You, you can talk about stories of Abraham. You can talk about King David, right? <laughs> Last night this thought came to my mind. Jesus' family put the mess in Messiah, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, seriously, if you look at the family line, you have prostitutes, you have uh, uh, murderers, you have adulterers. Jesus, the, the line that Jesus came through put the mess in Messiah. <laughs> but the application point for this is that is this. Do not underestimate what God can do in your family line. A lot of us come from families that are crazy. A lot of us come from families that have mess in it. A lot of us come from families that have a lot of dirt and mud and muck around it. But God used the drama of Jesus' family line to bring forth the Savior of the world. And so do not underestimate what God can do in your family line. It was 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations, and then all of a sudden, Jesus, the Messiah, is here to liberate humanity from sin. God can work in our families. God can work in our families. And the reason why you're here on the earth is to know this one 
who came through Abraham's lineage and David's lineage, that we would be recipients of eternal life in him. Amen? So don't underestimate the way that God works in your family line. He worked through Jesus' family line, and he brought forth the Messiah. Paragraph B, the visitations. Right, so the visitations that happened around Jesus' birth are really, really significant. I'm highlighting three of them here. Is that there were three significant visitations around Jesus' birth. You got one where Mary was pregnant and she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and John the Baptist leaped in the womb, right? And, you know, talking about a forerunner, he's, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, hey, you know, he's here. And then number two, you have the shepherds. The night that Jesus was born, these shepherds are, uh, are met by angels, and they, uh, they go and they, they find Mary, Joseph, and Jesus laying in a manger. And then about two years later, a lot of people think that the Magi came right, you know, immediately. But it was about one and a half to two years later that the Magi come and bring the frankincense, myrrh, gold, so on and so forth. But you have, you have these significant visitations from these different people that signify that something's going on here. That this is not just a regular birth. Something significant is going on, right? You have John the Baptist. He's in the womb, and he hears the greeting of Mary, and he kicks and he leaps. I don't know what that felt like, but, you know, Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit, and she begins to speak a prophetic oracle. And then you have the shepherds who were just out in the field. And then all of a sudden, an angel appears to them and then announces the good news that a Savior is born. And then all of a sudden, a multitude of angels are around them. And they say, go find this one that's in the manger. And then all of a sudden, two years later, the magi see a star in the skies. And they say, the king of the Jews is born. Right, like, like you, you, you got to notice that there is, there's something going on around this baby that was born, this Messiah, this King, and the what I wanna, what I wanna encourage you all with the application point is pay attention to your divine appointments, pay attention to the divine appointments in your life because they will point you to, they will point you toward and notify you about your destiny about what God is unfolding in your life. That God knows how to bring the right people at the right time to confirm what is happening in your life. You know, it just be one of those random days where it's just like, oh my gosh, like somebody said this to me and it just resonates in your spirit because God is unfolding his prophetic plan in your life and purpose and he will bring people around to confirm it. These, those magi were from Babylon. Four, four, it, ta- it takes four to five months for them to get to Bethlehem. That's about 900 miles it took them, but they saw, and God brought them before Mary and Joseph, and they said, this is the king of the Jews, right? God knows how to let you know that transitions are happening in your life, that there is something that's going on. I remember this time when I was, uh, or we were going on a fast, <laughs> and this is back in 2021, and I would always reference, I knew that the Lord was calling me into ministry, but I was working in a warehouse by myself, <laughs> you know. And so 
I knew that the Lord was calling me, he was transitioning me, but I didn't know how. And so I would always compare myself to a semi-truck that, that, you know, like once I get on a straight path, I go straight for a long time, and it takes me, it takes me a while to turn, right? You know how semi-trucks do. It takes just, you know, just like re- those really long turns. And so, but once I'm, once I'm, you know, on the highway and I'm straight away, I'm good, Right, and I, would, I was talking about this before I was going on this fast, like, you know, that's how I transition, that's just typically how I do. And then about the third day of my, trend, uh, of my, of my fast, I think it was the third or fourth day, uh, one of the guys that I was working with, uh, he doesn't know Jesus, doesn't, doesn't really love Jesus, doesn't really, he's not into the whole spiritual thing, right? And he walks up to me you know, on the third day of this 40-day fast, and he says, Marvin, I had a dream about you last night. (laughs) The third day of my 40-day fast, doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know anything about prophetic dreams or anything like that. He says, I had a dream about you last night, and you were in a (laughs) semi-truck. He says, you were in a semi-truck. And all of our entire team our entire team was outside of the building, and you were driving away in the semi-truck, and we were all waving goodbye to you. He was like, I just thought I should just tell you that dream that I had about you last night, and he just walks away. <laughs> God knows how to let you know <laughs> that something's going on. He will even speak through people that don't even know Jesus to let you know. This is how intentional God is about your prophetic purposes. He brought magi from four to five months travel-wise away, 900 miles away, to let Mary and Joseph know this is the king of the Jews that has been born. God knows how to let you know that you're in transition. God knows how to let you know. So pay attention to those divine appointments in your life. All right, paragraph C here. This is one of my favorites. This is one of my favorites. I like to call this cosmic alignment. (laughs) It's epic to say, cosmic alignment, right? Because check this out. There were prophecies describing a star or that's language to say a king, a ruler, that would rise from Israel who would rule the nations, right? We see that in Genesis 49 when Jacob or Israel is prophesying over his sons. and He prophesies specifically over Judah. He says that there is going to be a ruler that will emerge from your line. And we know Jesus as the lion from the tribe of Judah, right? <clears throat> but then you have in Numbers 24, this is the prophecy of Balaam. You know, even though he was, uh, he's a negative character, a negative person in the scriptures because he tried to curse Israel, but God turned his curse into a prophetic uh, declaration and affirmation over his love for Israel. He speaks about a star that would rise out of Israel to rule and reign the nations. And then you have in 2 Samuel 23, David talking about how a ruler who rules with justice is like a morning star. It's like the sun rising in the dawn. So this is so cool, is that when Jesus was born, we all know that, we, we know this story, but a star, a literal star, rose and shone over Bethlehem. And these magi, 
These wise men, they knew the times and the seasons, and they were studying, and they probably knew from the prophet Daniel about these messianic, Davidic king, that there, was, that there was somebody that was coming that would be born a king, that would be a king and rule the nations. And so when these magi and when these wise men, they're looking at the times and they're flipping through the prophetic scriptures and they literally see a star in the sky and they follow it four to five months bringing gifts and they come to Mary and Joseph and they lay down their gifts before him and they're saying that this is the king of the Jews. This is absolutely amazing. <laughs> and Jesus, he calls himself, at the, towards the end of Revelation, he calls himself the bright morning star. He says, in my humanity, I'm the son of David. In my divinity, I'm the son of God. And he's saying, I am God and man, the promised one. And there was a physical, literal star in the sky that shone to confirm that Jesus is the Messiah. But when the Magi came, they went to Herod first, right? And they said, where is the one that's to be born king of the Jews? And, you know, Herod's like, what? Like, what? What do you mean there's a new king? And Herod, you know, he's trying to be sly. He says, go and find this king so that I can go and worship him too. But really he was plotting in his mind to do away with this person who's threatening his authority. And when he realizes, because the Magi, they go, they find Jesus, they give him the gifts of frankincense, myrrh, and gold, and then they move away, then they're warned in a dream not to go back to Herod because, you know, he's plotting some dangerous things. And so when Herod realized that he was tricked by the Magi, what he does is he initiates a genocide of the baby boys in that area uh, that were two years or under, right? And check this out. Similarly, because Mo when Moses was born, uh, the generation that Moses was born experienced a genocide of baby boys at the hand of Pharaoh. Similarly, the generation that Jesus was born experienced a genocide of baby boys at the hand of Herod. When the generation of the deliverer was coming, there was an attack of the enemy. There was an attack of the enemy to try and do away with the prophetic purposes of this child right here. And the, the truth of the matter is that when our prophetic destinies are beginning to unfold before us, there will always be an attack of the enemy to do away with your faith, to do away with the people around you, that when you are stepping into your purpose, there are, there are real things in the spirit that, uh, that attack and that try to wipe away um, the the purposes that God has for your life, right? See, Herod, he was troubled, he was furious, and he took matters into his own hand, but God knows how to protect us. He knows how to protect this child right here, and we're going to get to some of that here in a, in a moment, 
But that was another sign. That was the uh, fourth sign there of uh, Jesus being the Messiah is that when you see the pattern of Moses' generation and then Jesus' generation and seeing that there is an extermination, an attempt to exterminate these deliverers, you gotta, your, your antenna's got to go up a little bit and say, hmm, something's going on here that is of the enemy, trying to wipe out these prophetic purposes and this prophetic destiny uh, of this child here. And then the last natural sign is you got the forerunner. <laughs> you got John the Baptist. Because God promised in the prophets, specifically Malachi, God promised, and this is paragraph E, that he would send a forerunner to prepare the way of the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, who was confirmed to be John the Baptist. And we know that when John the Baptist was still in the womb of his mother Elizabeth, is that he leaped at the hearing of the voice of Mary and the mother of the Messiah. So before John emerged from the wilderness season, he was in his mother's womb. And when Mary said, greetings, the baby leaped. Elizabeth was filled with the spirit, and she blessed Mary upon her arrival. You see... When the prophetic purposes in our life are unraveling, God will send people that will help us fulfill our prophetic purposes. God will send people around us to strengthen us, to fulfill our prophetic purposes. God sent John the Baptist ahead of Jesus to prepare the people for his coming. God sent, and it was John the Baptist that baptized Jesus, right? And so we have to understand that when God is working in our life, he will send people, the right people, at the right time to help us get to the prophetic destination that he has for us. And so it's trusting God's leadership in our lives and to understand that God will bring people to us and around us to help us get to the purposes that he has for us. God sent John the Baptist ahead of Jesus, even in the womb, to confirm and to solidify the, uh, the, the significance of Jesus being born here. So those are the natural signs, the genealogies, the visitations, cosmic alignment, Herod's genocide of the baby boys, and the forerunner John the Baptist. Now this is all stuff that was happening in the natural. This is all stuff, of course there are things happening in the spirit, but these are things manifesting in the natural, where this is the swirl that's happening around the birth of Jesus, right? So go ahead and turn the page on the notes. This is page two. <laughs> you know, when we talk about Jesus' birth, oh my goodness, this is so cute. <laughs> There's a prophetic swirl around this one right here because he's the Messiah. <laughs> oh my gosh, the little lambs in the manger and the swaddling claws is so cute. No, there's real warfare around this stuff going on. <laughs> so I may be bursting some people's bubbles. Let's talk about the birth of Jesus. Oh, yeah, let's get the hot chocolate and the, you know, the cookies and the chocolate, you know, all that stuff. It's like, no, there's warfare around this because he 
is the savior of the world. <laughs> He's the lamb of God. Hallelujah. So not only were there things happening in the natural, but there are also things happening in the spirit. There are supernatural things happening. And the, the most mysterious one, the most mysterious uh, supernatural event that happened was this thing called the Immaculate Conception. Oh, my goodness. This is where the Immaculate Conception is this. It's the power of God overshadowing Mary's womb by the power of the Spirit to bring forth the Messiah. You know, Jesus didn't come by natural means. He came by supernatural means. You see, look at this passage here in Luke 1 uh, in the notes. It says, Mary said to the angel, because the angel Gabriel, <laughs> this is awesome. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary. The, the angel Gabriel, the, an archangel, appears to Mary, not just a regular angel, the archangel Gabriel appears to her and says, blessed are you among women because you're going to bear the Lord. <laughs> you're going to bear the Lord. And she says this to him. She says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child will be called holy the son of God, right? Like, this is awesome because Joseph finds this out and he's like, hey, whoa, whoa, you know, he finds out Mary's pregnant and he wants to divorce her quietly because he's like, look, I I'm not going to be about this right now. Like, this is not what I'm about because he was a righteous man. And he, and, and then the angel, an angel comes to him and we'll talk about this in a moment and confirms, he says, look, Prophecies are about to be fulfilled right now. <laughs> Stick with it. <laughs> Prophecies are unraveling. Thing, the, the, the prophetic timing on God's calendar is unraveling, right? And we call this, this is a theological term, the incarnation. God becomes man. God becomes man is that the second person of the Trinity took on flesh forever, God took on flesh, became like us, so that he could redeem us, <laughs> right? There's this, uh, I'm going to, I may butcher this phrase I heard back in Bible college, is that anything, uh, Jesus had to assume everything that we are so that he could redeem everything that we are, right? He had to take on our humanity fully. He really was, this is God in the flesh, He's fully God and fully man, but he had to take on our flesh so that when he died on the cross, was buried in the grave, and was resurrected, us putting our faith in him secures an eternal redemption for our whole humanity. Everything that we are, we need to be redeemed in all that we are. And so Jesus took on everything that we are so that we could have eternal life in him. We need the incarnation. <laughs> we need this. Because if Jesus didn't assume our humanity in everything that we are, then we couldn't be really redeemed. We couldn't really be redeemed. And so he had to take on everything that we are 
in our sinful flesh, even though he was without sin. And this is the application point that I'm drawing from this, is that Mary was celebrated because she believed God. You know, John the Baptist's father, when the angel Gabriel came to him and said, hey, you guys have been praying for a baby boy. Let me tell you, I've got good news. He's the forerunner that Malachi talked about. And Zechariah said, how's that going to happen? <laughs> how's that going to happen? We're old. You know, that's that. And, and the angel Gabriel, he says, don't you know I stand in the presence of God? <laughs> he says, you're going to be silent until your son comes out. And he comes out the, he comes out the uh, temple and he's, he can't talk. Because the angel Gabriel is in front of him, and he gave him the good news that the forerunner from Malachi is coming to prepare the way of the Lord, and he didn't believe it. He didn't believe it, but Mary says, she questions it. She says, how is this going to happen when the angel Gabriel talks about this? He, he, she, he, says, he says, look, God is going to do this thing. You don't got to worry about it. God is going to do it. And she says, let it be. Let it be as you have said. And she believed the word of the Lord, even though it seemed impossible, even though it seems so unlikely that this could actually happen. She believed the word of the Lord and she was celebrated. And so my question to you all is, is will we believe God in the midst of the impossible? That you feel that God has spoken prophetic promises over your life, do you believe them even though they seem impossible? God, it delights God to find faith in our hearts. That's how we please God. That's what it says in Hebrews. We can't please God without faith. We need faith. Can you believe the kind of joy that God had in Mary when he said, you're going to have a child from the Holy Spirit? She's saying, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't even know how this is possible, but let it be, as you have said. Do you believe God's promises, his prophetic promises over your life, even though they may seem impossible? It's the immaculate conception there. But paragraph B here, as we move on, is that the most referenced supernatural activity, and there's about 15 references to this, is the supernatural activity or, uh, around Jesus' birth is the working of angels. Is that in the time frame of Christ's birth, the archangel Gabriel, mentioned him a couple times here, who stands in the presence of God, appeared twice to announce the coming of the Lord and his forerunner. And the application here is that we need to understand how integral angels are to God's plans and purposes. That there are angels at work all the time in God's kingdom. They're relaying messages, encountering people. And the uh, author of Hebrews, he says, sometimes we entertain angels without even knowing it. And so we need to understand how integral angels are in the working and the uh, in the working of the unfolding of God's prophetic purposes in our lives is that God really does work through angels all right paragraph c 
is the second most referenced supernatural activity surrounding the birth of Jesus is the activity of the Holy Spirit, specifically the prophetic oracles that were declared. So you have Elizabeth speaking to Mary, Mary's prophetic oracle, Zechariah's prophetic oracle, Simeon, you know, he's, he speaks about Jesus when they go to dedicate him at the temple, that God was speaking through people by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to say, this is the Messiah. <laughs> are you getting it now? This is what the scriptures are, are all about. Uh, Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2, this is what they're all about is saying, he has arrived, the anointed one, the son of David, the one that will liberate us from our enemies. You see, God will often speak through others to confirm the prophetic shifts that are happening in our life. I'm reminded when I think of this, when we did the MSU Now gathering, you guys remember that uh, about a couple years ago, we did the MSU Now where we had, uh, you know, uh, 15 to 20 different campus ministries at Michigan State gathering together. And, you know, we filled, we packed out, not packed out, but we, uh, it, was, it was a pretty full crowd um, at Wells Hall. And it was just a sweet time of worship. It was a sweet time of fellowship and communion together. But the way that that happened was a prophetic declaration of somebody confirming that this needed to happen. And I remember I was just at a prayer meeting. It was this noon prayer. And I was, we were still wrestling, should we do this thing or not? And the title of the event is MSU Now, right? Night of Worship Now. And so, you know, I'm, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, you know, do we really do this thing? Should we, should we really, I, you know, this seems really impossible. <laughs> like, I don't, we don't have any money. We don't have tech. We don't have anything. Like, what, how do we do this? And I remember the circuit riders, one of the guys in the circuit rider teams, he, he came up to me, it was on a Tuesday, and he says, hey, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know, I, I just felt like the Lord is speaking to me, and he, I believe he's speaking to you and your team, and he says, the time is now. He's like, I don't know if that means anything, he said, but the time is now. And as soon as he said that, capital letters sh showed in my mind, now, and I was like, Now's the time to do this thing. Now is the time to do this. And in two months, in two months, I didn't, we didn't give anybody a head start, but in two months, we gathered some 300 to 400 uh, MSU students in Wells Hall in a blink of an eye like that because it was God's prophetic purposes unraveling for a campus. And so it's about, it's about understanding the times and the seasons and hearing God's voice, not only in the scriptures, but hearing it through other people speaking to us. Because that's how God will do it sometimes. He'll speak to you through other people. And that's what the prophetic oracles were about in the scriptures about Jesus is to confirm to Mary and Joseph saying, look, the baby that you have right now, is the son of God. This is the Messiah. This is the one that was promised in the scriptures. So these are things happening in the spirit here. And then the last two points, and I'm closing out soon here, is prophetic dreams. Prophetic dreams. Check this out. God spoke to Joseph, Jesus' supposed father, four times through dreams concerning events about the child to be born. 
I want that anointing. Go to sleep. God speaks to you. <laughs> That's what I want on my life. I want prophetic dreams. <laughs> you see, God also warned the magi, the wise men, the astronomers, in a dream about returning to Herod. And those dreams were prophetic protection for Israel's promised Messiah. Those dreams were protection for Jesus. Prophetic protection. God spoke about five times to different individuals in dreams to let them know and to protect this child. And what I want to say here is that God knows how to physically and prophetically protect our callings and destinies. He knows how to protect it so that the flame of faith doesn't go out in our hearts to say, I don't believe the promises of God anymore. Or we get to a point where we say, I don't believe what he said anymore. He knows how to speak to us when we're, when we're on the edge of doubt and on the edge of falling off belief to saying, I don't really believe God spoke to me in that moment. He knows how to speak to us and confirm, saying, don't give up on the promises. Don't give up. He knows how to protect us physically because there is a physical protection for Jesus, right? They fled to Egypt and then they went to Nazareth. And there is a physical protection of it, but there is also a prophetic protection, right? That Joseph, when he was about to divorce Mary, the angel came to him in a dream, and he said, don't do that because prophecies are unraveling right now. This is the time. And so God knows how to physically and prophetically protect our calling and destiny. You know that Philippians 1, 6 passage, the Lord knows how to uh, keep the good work that he's unfolding in you, right? He will keep it until its completion. And this is my last point here is fulfilled prophecies. This is glorious. Is that the authors of the Gospels, specifically Matthew and Luke, saw Jesus' birth fulfill many prophecies foretold by the prophets. You got Isaiah 7. You got Micah 5. You got Hosea 11. You got Jeremiah 31. You got Malachi 3 and 4. You got 2 Samuel 7. You got Psalm 89 and 132 and Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 9 uh, 6 and 7 and, and Isaiah 16, that this was the time that God was fulfilling his prophecies, that there is a such time as the prophecies are given, and then there's a such time as the prophecies are about to be fulfilled. The prophetic purposes of God are about to be realized, and that there's a time and a momentum in the spirit where God is beginning to unfold and unravel his purposes, and there are divine seasons and divine times where we step into our destiny, and God is revealing and unfolding his purposes in our life, and there's a such thing as a fullness of time, that the time has come for prophecies to be fulfilled. The time has come for prophecies to be fulfilled. And this is what Luke and Matthew were recording in their Gospels. They are saying, now is the time. 
Now is the time, the Messiah that we heard about when we were children, the Messiah that we've been hoping for to deliver Israel and restore the kingdom and to sit on the, uh, the, that David's throne would be established. Now is the time. And we have to know the times and the seasons and how God unfolds things in the spirit. You see, check this out in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. But when the fullness of time had come, when it was time for the prophecies to be fulfilled. God wasn't too early. God wasn't too late. God was right on time. <laughs> God was right on time. When God speaks to us, sometimes we get offended at him because we feel that the prophetic promises should have came earlier or that the prophetic promises were too late, or that we feel like he forgot about it. God never forgets. And the words that he speaks, he fulfills. He's never too late. He's never too early. He's right on time. He knows how and when to best fulfill the prophetic words and promises in my life, and in your life. And Paul calls when Jesus came, the fullness of time. The fullness of time. So, that's the birth of the Messiah there. <laughs> five natural signs, five supernatural signs to give us confidence that Jesus is the one that was prophesied about in the scriptures and to give us confidence in our lives that God cares about our prophetic purposes and destinies in him and that he will fulfill what he has spoken in our lives. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you all to stand as we respond here. And I'm going to ask the Lord that he would continue to show us the beauty of his son, according to Ephesians 1, that our eyes would be open to see his beauty in his birth, but that also we would have confidence in our own stories, in our own narratives, that God is doing something amazing in our lives, in our narratives. He works through our families. He works through divine appointments. He knows how to let you know that there are transitions that are happening. He'll surround you with people to confirm the words around you and your purposes. And so we're just going to respond here. Just ask the Lord just to open our eyes to see the beauty of Jesus. So, Father, we come before you. In the name of your son, Jesus, and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son that we may be redeemed by his broken body and his spilled blood. 
And so, God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you open our eyes to the beauty of Jesus, that we would see him in his splendor, that we would see him in his glory. Lord, that you would open our eyes to our own prophetic narratives, the divine appointments, the people who have confirmed the purposes of our life. Lord, you speaking through them. So God, I'm asking even now, would you touch our hearts, Lord, with faith, with faith to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and to believe that you care about our prophetic purposes, that you care about our stories, that you care about our narratives. So Lord, would you mark us even now with confidence, with faith to believe and to understand that you are the God of your word, that you're never too slow and you're never too late, but you're right on time. We thank you, Lord, and we magnify your name.